This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Hey folks, we're sitting down today with Ellie Roebuck, a professional footballer, aka soccer, for those of us in the States. Uh, She has played uh, for the Manchester City team for a while now. Just recently played on the England national team at the Women's World Cup. Made it all the way to the finals uh, where they played against Spain. So Ellie's going to tell us all about that. Her rise in football fame and stardom and, and how she got started in this and what she does every day to stay on track with her goals. And uh, it's a very interesting conversation about how to be the best at what you do. It's different for everybody. And if you're wondering, why do we have professional athletes in the UK here at Athletic Brewing? Well, it's because we sell a lot of our non-alcoholic beer in the UK. If you're interested in finding out where to get it, go to uk.athleticbrewing.com. There is a store finder, and you can see us at the thousands of stores all across the UK that carry Athletic Brewing. I think the most ubiquitous would be Tesco. But all right, let's go ahead and dive in and hear about Ellie's story. Ellie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Where, where, where are you at right now? Are you, are you back home? Are you traveling? What's, uh, what is it? What are you doing this time of year? Yeah, no, back home. Um, obviously, after the World Cup, just trying to get settled back in Manchester. But yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to be home and just have a few weeks here before we then travel again, I guess. What is it like coming home after after something so big? I can't relate. You know, I've never achieved anything like that. So what is that like? Is it weird seeing people you knew beforehand or, you know, there's all, you know, there's people from growing up. There's also people that knew you as you got it professional and, and now post World Cup. What's that like? Yeah, it's quite overwhelming, to be honest, um, because you've like almost been in a bubble for over 10, 10 weeks. So you're with the same people every day. You're in the same routine. So it's almost like you get let out into the wild and you have to kind of find your way again and find your own routine back. So it's taken me a good week or so to kind of get back into the rhythm of normal day-to-day life, I guess. Do you, uh, what, what, do you, what do you miss about uh, World Cup life? Because that, that, you, you can develop quite a routine in, in 10 weeks. Yeah, like you said, that can almost be like become a new norm. Yeah, exactly that. So I guess it became the norm and Australia is an amazing place. So for me, it was, yeah, just incredible to be there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess on camp, every, you don't really have to think about anything other than what is there in front of you. So you don't have to worry about I don't know, getting the food shopping, getting, you know, like day-to-day things that you just do normally and unconsciously, I guess, everything there is kind of, yeah, you know where you have to be at a certain time and everything's kind of managed through routine and schedules, so. Wow. You know, the the other groups of people I hear that talk talk about that a lot is here, American football, really high in, like, college level or professional 
it's just another sport, but also the military. It's like, hey, I'm kind of told what to do all the time. So it's not, yeah. it doesn't take any work to decide what to do. It's like, all right, I can use all that to kind of get through all these things, but I don't have to think about it now. It's kind of up to you. Yeah, exactly that. Like you just know where you have to be. You know which time in the day is for yourself and you know which time of the day you've got to give energy to to the job in hand really so I think like you say it's kind of strange coming back and having a bit of time on your hands even like days off today it's a bit like oh like it's nice but what do you do you know I I, I was listening to some interviews that you did uh getting yeah while you were there because it was such a long time you had time to do media and you you talked about walking your dog were you able to take your dog to Australia oh I wish I was Nah, he was back home, but it's nice to have him back. But he would have loved it, for sure. Well, how, how did you like Australia? Had you ever been to Australia before? No, it was the first time. I absolutely loved it, to be honest. It suited me to a tea, good coffee, super nice beach walks. The weather was perfect. So, yeah, no complaints at all, really. Let, let, let's dial it back a little bit. I know you uh, grew up and forgive my pronunciation, I'm from the American South. I don't know how to, I don't even know how to read half half of our words over here, but uh, Sheffield, is that how you pronounce it, or Sheffield? Sheffield. Sheffield, okay. I was told, I, I was reading like a little bit about the Sheffield accent, and it was like, pronounced Sheffield, but I don't know if that was true or not. You know, how early on was football in your life? Sounds like you came from a football family, at least from a fan point of view. Your dad was really into it. Was it just basically day yeah. one? Yeah, pretty much. I think as soon as I could remotely think for myself or even walk, I was in a football kit. Um, my dad grew up a huge, like, I just grew up around a family that just loved sport, loved football. Um, and yeah, as soon as I can remember, my dad was taking me to the Sheffield United games. Um, he was obviously a huge fan, so I think I kind of, not that I had no choice, but when you're surrounded by that, the opportunity was always there for me to go and play. And I fell in love with it. And yeah, I think he was made up that he had a daughter that took some interest in football. And from then on, we've always gone to the games together. You hear some stories from parents that were really, really into a sport and the kids start to show interest. And it's like, you know, there's almost a little too much pressure. How do you feel like your parents did? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I think they were the opposite. They just wanted me to do whatever made me happy. They were never really pushy in anything, to be honest. School, um, sport. Growing up, I travelled quite a lot, which they, I guess they valued quite a bit for me to kind of see the world. And yeah, I guess they'd never really been pushy in anything, not with my brother or sister either. Um, I think it was more just like happiness and whatever made us happy. I think we could have done it as long as, yeah, they we happy to be honest. What are they into? That they follow the same line as you? Because I have I have two siblings and they're wildly different from me and wildly different from each other. So it's kind of wild that we all ended up in different areas. Wildly different. My sister is um, cabin crew for Virgin, so I guess she shares that love of traveling um, as well. But other than that, where we're similar in like morals and values, but in terms of interests and stuff, she's quite like a girly girl or and things like that. And then my brother is 
again, has no interest in football. So I think my dad, I'm the youngest, so I think my dad was like real made up when I came along because <laughs> he has no interest in football. He's always kind of been into his cars and motorbikes and things like that, which it's actually super nice because we're all really close, but we all obviously have different interests. So it's, and kind of when we're together, it's a nice switch off because they don't really care about football. So for me, it's like, I'm just Ellie rather than the footballer Ellie. So it's super nice to to have that. You're kind of your, your dad's last hope with, with pursuing football. <laughs> uh, and not only did you pursue it, but you excelled immensely. Yeah. Um, probably beyond their wildest expectations. And yours too, it sounds like. When did it become... I don't know when it, when did this trajectory and this career start to come into view for you because I, I follow some sports here in the U.S. and even with drafts, there's a lot of athletes that are go very high in the draft or have really amazing careers. Even at just on the brink of that professional career, they're still unsure if it's going to happen. They're still not even sure if they're good enough. It's kind of wild. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like a top ten pick. How could you even doubt yourself? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, to be honest with you, I always I played football. I, I grew up playing Chef United girls. And until I was about 15, I would say, I was literally just doing it because I loved it. I, I didn't really have any ambition to not to be a professional footballer. I always knew that would be a dream, but... It was never really a reality because I wasn't surrounded by people that kind of went on and did that. Um, it was always like you play until you're around 16, 17, and then you have to make a, a career choice, I guess. Um, so it wasn't really until I was 15 when I found out Man City were interested in me um, because then I was only training a couple of nights a week and just playing on a Saturday just because I loved it. Um, and then when City came in, interested it was almost like oh this is a realization that I can kind of make this a thing and I wasn't really at that point I didn't really take things serious like diet training like I was just a kid and I had no like self-awareness to those things and like my dad would take me to McDonald's pre-game and things like that so like we had no real care we just did it because we loved it um and then City became interested and then I never really looked back I'd Within a few months, I'd moved to Manchester, lived with house parents, was following a full-time first-team program, and it was like a huge like switch of worlds, really. And then from then on, I've never looked back, and I signed my pro at 18, and that was it. I've just, yeah, from then on, it's just been a thing. How does that process work? I mean, is someone, are there like scouts all over the place looking for talent, and, and it just, you know, they... They send yeah. you a letter in the mail. Like, how does that work? I know I kind of have an idea of how it works here in the states, but I'm sure it's very different. Yeah, I don't really know to be honest um, how it kind of came about. I just know that Man City reached out to the club I was at at the time, and at the time, Sheffield United didn't have a first team, so you kind of got to 18, and you have to choose a club anyway. Um, it's probably why I found it didn't really think to myself it would be a thing because. There was no clear path for that to happen. And then, yeah, I guess through my parents and somehow ended up going to visit Man City, training for a day. And from then on, it just, yeah, it, it was, it's weird. It just kind of was a thing. 
Was it a guarantee like, yes, I'm doing this? Or was it a lot of discourse and discussion with your family? No. Oh, I literally went four months to these facilities and was like, sold. Where do I start? <laughs> yeah, it was easy. A, a no-brainer, to be honest. And I'd never really had any other passion or I'd always been quite good in school, quite get I got good grades, but I'd never been driven enough to really push myself within that. Whereas sports almost that was my thing. Um and I think the only real hesitation was I'd go, I'd be full time, I'd have to leave all my school friends, move to a different city, so I'd be leaving home pretty soon. That was the only real thing, but it wasn't something that I ever questioned. It was more something that excited me. That's interesting. Well, well, what about what? What would you say was besides that? Maybe, maybe a fear making that decision because that's a big decision to make at that age, yeah. or really at any age. It's a crossroad. It's one of the crossroads of life that have very huge consequences and and, and effects on the rest of your life. What would you say was one of those bigger fears that? Once you got in, you realized it it wasn't a big deal or it wasn't it wasn't an actual fear. I think for me, like I touched on then, I have a super close kind of family network. And like my friends would always be around. We was like the social house. So from going from that to living with a host family that I'd never met before and being obviously I mean, it's only two hours from home, but at that point I couldn't drive. So it right. wasn't accessible to get to and from um that was probably the only fear I had I think back then I was probably a lot less of an overthinker than I am now I think when you grow up you've got to be a little bit more serious right so for me I had no worries I was like this is what I'm doing if it worked out it worked out like I didn't have any other passion to go into chasing a dream and I don't know becoming a doctor or becoming something like that like I never really had that and I think my parents knew that so for me it was they just give me the confidence and the platform to to really pursue it. I heard you say once that uh, this was maybe before the World Cup. Uh, you tell yourself not to get too caught up in the highs yeah. and the lows uh, with this career trajectory and this path. Would you say you're better at that now? Because I I think you've probably gone through some pretty extreme highs and lows recently. Uh huh. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, I think you kind of go into this when you're younger and you're fearless and I guess everything's new. So you probably get caught up with what somebody's tweeting on Twitter or I don't know, like you get wrapped up in that thing and other people's opinions. Whereas now I am a lot less, I'm a lot more carefree. Um, And I think that probably gets, um, how do you say, you probably get that through the experiences so many different like things whether it's good or bad will impact you differently and I think that kind of forms your outlook on things and makes them probably a lot more different than they would have been maybe a few years ago and I'm sure being on the team with with a lot of other folks in the same position has has anyone helped mentor you with that skill specifically you could point to whether they know it or not I think people have always been good with advice but I think one of the things I've probably learned the most is people can tell you things and 
you should probably listen sometimes. But only through like doing it yourself or making the mistakes or you really learn because unless it happens to you, you almost feel invincible. So I think it's good to, like I've had a great people around me. Um, I grew up playing alongside Karen Bardsley, who was like England's number one for years and years. And she was an incredible goalkeeper. So to learn from someone like that was incredible. And she probably did warn me early on about a few things that I've had to just figure out for myself. And I think that's all part of learning and, and football and you, Sometimes you need them moments to kind of develop yourself and yeah, really just learn, learn the way. You know, there's, there's a lot of advice, like little sayings and stuff I have in my head that you hear your whole life and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll keep that in mind when the time comes. And then you go through an experience that you learn that lesson, but you don't remember the saying, then it hits you. And it's, I, I, I'm having that more and more now as I get older and it's like, that's what that means. That's what I like. I knew what it meant on paper, but now I kind of like in my soul, I know what that means. And it, and it hits me. I'm like, that's what that saying means. That's where it came from. And it's just, I understand it, you know, before I went through it, but it's so different now. That's really interesting. I think one big thing is that I've probably always just, it's just perspective on everything. Like that's the one thing I always relay back to is, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, you got to put things into perspective. And to be honest, there's a lot worse things going on in life than maybe the little thing that happened in training or something like that. And I think when you take a step back and you remove yourself from the heat of the moment or what's going on, then really life's not that bad. Drawing it down to kind of more granular, when did you start eating porridge before every game? How early did you just start doing that? After my dad's stop taking me to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you're that's probably when your uh your your skills started just skyrocket. You know what? Eating all this greasy food before the game is not that good for me <laughs> for performance. He me to get me the pancakes because he told me it would give me all the energy in the world. <laughs> so it was a bit of a placebo effect actually. So I was I was flying. Um but no it just it's just an easy thing to get down and Sometimes for a game, it can be difficult to eat or, yeah. And I, don't, I actually quite like porridge, so to be honest, it's not a chore. Um, I guess it's one of them. It's not really a superstition, but it's a nice little mental tick box. That I've got all the fuel I need and just consistency with it, really. Yeah. That, well, it's one of those things, like we were saying before, you don't have to think about it. It's that's what I'm having. It's not a decision I have to worry about. It's, it's like... Uh, Guy, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same clothes every single day because he doesn't want to worry about what do I wear, what do I choose? Because whether we know it or not, all those little choices do add up as far as kind of draining our, our mental tank throughout the day. So I, I totally get that. You don't have to worry about it. Yep. That's cool. And you know it's not going to mess you up because you, your body's used to it. Exactly. Being on your team, but also being recruited for the World Cup, you've probably seen a lot of different types of like pre-game prep and uh, superstitious stuff what's what's one of the stranger habits you've seen or stranger rituals you've seen pre-game uh no you don't have to say any names specifically but anything you're like huh that's interesting yeah i'm just trying to think or one of the ones you're like that's actually a really good idea so i think it's a good idea but when i was growing up 
but obviously I touched on Karen Bardley, if you won't mind me saying this, but I touched on her earlier and she used to write a lot of things down. So like, I guess her thoughts and whether that's set pieces or any details she wanted, she would write it down and she would always tape her wrists. And if anything that was super important, she knew she needed to, would just always be on there. And like, that's not something I would do because I'm not that way out. I'm not that, that's like, to me, that's too consuming. Um, on day, but that's something she really swore by and like did. So yeah, that was probably the, not strange, but more complex pre-match thing that I've I've seen. Yeah, which I'm sure that can change every game. What what you're thinking about, what you're worried about, and uh... I'm, uh, I try not to think. It's, it's it's just a dangerous places. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's one of my mottos. Don't think. I'm pretty good at it sometimes. Alex Greenwood once said that you're stubborn. Is that true? Yeah, not as in in terms of probably the way you would think I'm just very stubborn in my ways so like more of a personal stubbornness like I'm quite like routine driven don't really like stepping left or right of that like I find things that aren't structured quite difficult um but I think that's just the nature of being an athlete to be honest if you're at this level whatever you're doing has been working so no matter what someone comes along even another professional I'm sure you know, it's like, hey, well, you know, that might work for you, but whatever I'm doing has at least got me to this point. So there's something within that that's that's true and that's working. So I get that. That's interesting. Well, I'd, I'd love to jump into a handful of rapid fire questions. If what we can do, like I said before, doesn't have to be one word, maybe just a phrase or two, or you can tell a story. Sometimes the rapid fire ends up being like half the interview because people are, you know, it reminds every question reminds them of something they want to share. And that's fine with me. Um, so, yeah, so th- this is going to be interesting. What are you most curious about right now outside of football and why? Curious in terms of what I'm interested in. Interests. Could be – the answers we've had is, is reading. It's been cryptocurrency. It's been – I mean, it's been anything you can imagine. Mine right now is coffee. Coffee. I'm drinking some right now. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, it's a bit late for that, for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I'm super interested in coffee, and it's probably something I want to venture into post-career. I would love to invest in a coffee shop or set up my own kind of, yeah, little business on the side. It's just, for me, it's the perfect switch off. Like, we can't be too social, so we don't go and we don't do anything. But for me, I feel like an athlete switch off is sitting in a coffee shop, socializing over coffee, it's kind of a culture. Um, so, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm interested in at the minute. Hey, quick follow-up. What's like the uh, – for, for the folks on most recently, uh, the World Cup team, what, what's like the coffee-to-tea split? Is there like half and half, you know, half you drink? Or, or are you kind of a loner in that, or is there less coffee drinkers? What's, what's kind of the split there? Three-quarters coffee. Everyone's quite into the coffee at the minute. Wow. Some more than – some like – need coffee some actually care about coffee if that makes sense yeah yeah that's i'm I'm a need coffee type uh all right so next rapid fire this is a little bit bigger question proudest achievement outside of your career in football outside of my career (sighs) hard hard i know there's uh, 
it's really hard for the folks that are like really good at their sport or their career because it's like you know 99% of what they do so uh, I'm sure I'm sure it's a hard answer but what would you say oh, that is really tough proudest achievement do you know what, actually we have um especially on this my mum and dad are foster like I grew up and they were foster carers um and the little girl actually that currently lives with with my family and she grew up with absolutely no interest in sport whatsoever and not really any interest in anything because she had quite a tough life and now she's like a blossoming footballer and I know that's kind of but it's still outside of football um but she's like a keen interest in that so for me that's an achievement to be able to inspire inspire that and like kind of see that happen in front of my eyes if that makes sense like a little mini me kind of thing (laughs) that is so what what, uh your parents were were they doing that all throughout your childhood too yeah since I can remember uh, my mum has always been a foster care I mean my dad's got another job too but she just retired now so um the little girl I'm talking about actually my sister trained to become a foster carer and is now taking custody of her because she's just part of the family now Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a super nice, humbling thing to kind of grow up around. That is awesome. So, I mean, that's that really speaks volumes to the, the quality of character of a household you grew up in, your parents and, and now your sister. Um, was there a, a lot of kids coming through or was it mostly one yeah. at a time for, for yeah, quite well, a long time? Like periods of time. Uh, a few longer than others and yeah it's just been really nice to kind of kind of view things from maybe different perspectives different upbringings different cultures and yeah just learn and and be a part of that and kind of help someone grow that maybe wouldn't have done so if they hadn't had kind of the upbringing they have wow so so you know as as you um progress through your career this might be obvious uh considering you were just at the world cup maybe not uh, what, what would you say is your biggest goal not yet achieved not yet achieved for me like something i'm really keen to do is win the champions league that's like the big one in football obviously internationally i would love to go and play Obviously, I was a part of the team that that won the Euros, and I was a part of the team at the World Cup. But for me, it's individually. I want to go there, and I want to play, and I want to perform and and win in these in these big tournaments. In that pursuit, because you know that's a long goal. It could happen soon. It could happen later in your career. Uh, what's a daily habit you stick to that helps keep you on track for all your goals, whether it be winning the next game, having a great day at practice, uh, having a good trip, you know, having a good time off. What's a daily habit that no matter what you try to do? The one thing that I've – it's only a new habit, really, that I've kind of picked up is you can get consumed and it's really hard to switch off from a day of training or football in general. So for me now, I think the daily habit I have is every time I come home post-training – I take the dog on a walk. I leave my phone in the house, take the dog out for 45 minutes, an hour, and I just switch off 
from whatever's happened or I either switch off from it or I take that time to process whether it's good, bad, indifferent. And then when I get home, that's it then. You have to switch off. You have to leave that that behind and almost become a normal person. Otherwise, you can get far too consumed. Oh, that's a great habit. Um, any, you know, most of the time I leave my phone somewhere, it's accidental. You know, I left <laughs> it at home, took the kids to the park or something, and then I'm like, man, this is such a great time. And then it hits me. I'm like, I don't have my phone. That's why it's a great time. You know? One hour app for social media, too. Yeah. That's another big thing because it's so consuming. It is. It is. It's, it's, uh, you know, you might, this might tie in with what you are curious about outside of, uh, football, but do you have a hobby that you pursue on the side that folks, you know, maybe don't, don't know about, or you don't really talk a whole lot about? Um, I love cooking. Absolutely love cooking. Um, I take a lot of like effort and like when seven o'clock comes in the evening, I sometimes can be for an hour. Like I'm quite into nutrition and what I put into my body and things like that. So I really, it sounds a bit lame, but I really enjoy like getting organic produce or seasonal produce and getting that for the week and then kind of making things from scratch. So you, so you have, you have a a great bowl of porridge before every game. You got got to have that recipe down, Pat. You got to knock that out of the park. That's probably the most simple thing I eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just playing. No, that's that's great. The older I get, the more I enjoy cooking. It's just something like you do you can do with your hands every day that you can see and enjoy and it's 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 it can be artistic in a way. Um all right. So of all the the brews you've had from Athletic Brewing, is there one that that sticks out as your favorite? Yeah, it's the one with the blue. It's the blue bottle. Run Wild IPA. Yeah, that's good. It's clean. It's like quite smooth. I think this is from my dad. My dad absolutely loves IPA. He's really into like his brew brewing right. and like all the brewery little bars and sometimes we're on trips and we go on holiday or whatever and he plans his thing around where does the best beer and does the best um everything like that so i i can't say i'm overly well educated but he does direct me in in the right lines and he's super impressed by that one too so it must be good that's that's awesome no we we hear that a lot if you're a fan of ipas you're gonna love run wild or free wave and uh I can imagine he's traveling. I heard he went to like Kazakhstan to your game and had a good time in a bar. I'm sure he's telling everybody there, that's my daughter. That's my daughter right there. She plays on the team. That's so cool. Every can of athletic brewing, well, it used to say uh, brew without compromise. And yep. the name of the show is without compromise. But what we realized is as we pursue something that's kind of different, really just takes living in a way of pursuing excellence and progress, um, what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Yeah, I think it's about setting those values and like we talked about habit and routine and I think as an athlete, you have to kind of figure out what, what that is early um, and I guess you don't really have chance to make compromises. It is is what it is. You've got to live this and you got to live by the values that you almost set and for me, one of those things is naturally, which links well with obviously partnering with Athletic Brewing itself is like as an athlete, 
drinking alcohol is obviously not the best for performance. It's not the best for um, daily function and things like that. Um, and I've never really been a keen drinker. So for me, it's it's the perfect partnership. And yeah, I guess you're not you're not compromising on the taste. That's for sure. So. Well, there you have it, folks. That is a little bit about Ellie Roebuck. I encourage you to follow her on Instagram. Check out some of the other cool interviews and things she's done. And be sure to watch her games this year. If you want to learn more about finding athletic brewing near you, go to athleticbrewing.com or uk.athleticbrewing.com. There are store finders on both of those websites to pick up some athletic, non-alcoholic craft beer. (laughs) 